Eternal Weekend and Bean Control with Anurag Das. Next on Eternal Dirtle. Oh, but now I go. Hey, I just want to give a quick shout out to all of our Patreon supporters out there. Thank you to the Dirtle Maniacs. If you want to be a Dirtle Maniac, go to patreon.com slash eternaldirtles and help support the channel. It keeps things going. It keeps things updated. Thanks so much for watching. On with the show. Hello and welcome to Eternal Dirtles. I'm your host, Zach Clark. And with me as always, Phil Blackman. Phil, how's it going, man? Zach, we have a very special guest on the cast today. Uh, last time we were together in person, we played some legacy games against each other, and he crushed me. He crushed me so good that he gave me the pity pack afterwards and was like, good job, bro. Good job. With us today, Anurag Das. Welcome to the cast. Anurag, how's it going, man? Hey, what it do? <laughs> what it do, baby? I think the last time I, I, I saw Anu, uh, we, were, we were jamming out to uh, Fredo Baggins <laughs> live on stage. <laughs> Oh yeah, I remember that. That was honestly, I, it's it's funny because the, just the other day I was like rewatching uh, Lord of the Rings with uh, my in laws who had flown over, and I was like, I saw that guy. He's a DJ, and they were like, uh, Frodo? Yeah, Elijah Wood. I did not like it his was, music too much. Oh, yeah, but that's just it, me like, personally. It, it was it was uh you know the, I mean they did the they did like uh, it was it was such a like '90s like chill sounds commercial thing that they did like the sail away song and stuff. I was like, oh, okay. I see where we're going here, but, uh, you know, I, I think that for me, uh, the, at those events, I want something a little, a little less, uh, I want something that's a little less, uh, celebrity, you know, just, I want to hang him, out with mm, the locals, you know, <laughs> give, give him, yeah, give him yeah, some yeah. credit, dude. He walked into Mordor, survived Mount Doom, and then came back and did a DJ set. Like I got into it. I did it. I did it. And I know I wasn't supposed to, but I just like I, I, I got into a, an argument about the Eagles and why we couldn't just Eagles. And <laughs> right, I'll just leave it at that. I, I ain't getting into this. I, ain't I mean, being from this. Philly, never get into an argument about the Eagles. That's a bad idea. <laughs> They'll burn the city down. Yeah. They'll burn the whole city down. Um, so, yeah, we're here. Uh, we've got you on uh, a rare treat for us. Because you have an announcement uh, that we'll be uh, sharing uh, once this video is ready. Yeah, absolutely. So I'm I'm very stoked uh, to announce that I'll be doing coverage at Eternal Weekend for the NA Champs. Uh, by the time this video is out, more likely than not, I will also have already done coverage of uh, Europe's Eternal Weekend. So it's honestly super cool that uh, this year um, coverage Jet is happening. Yeah. I, I don't know. That's amazing. I, yeah, exactly. Right. Like, it's just it always makes me happy when uh, the powers that be are like, you know what? Yeah, we want coverage. And uh, for, especially for Eternal Weekend, like Legacy and Vintage, this is their yeah, this is their like time That's to shine. Yeah. Where will we be able to see this coverage? Yeah. So uh, still kind of figuring out where the North America one's going to be. It's either at twitch.tv slash card titan or twitch.tv, maybe like on my page or something like that. Eternal Week in Europe is definitely happening on my page, though. Twitch.tv slash unzmtg. So uh, that'll that'll be pretty exciting. And I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing how those games play out. It's going to be yeah. pretty sweet. Well, I mean, at the very least, we'll have all your links below. And, you know, follow follow Anu on Twitter uh, and, and hit the notifications button so that you just see when, when this stuff's going on. And then you'll just know, you know? And this is... High five. Nice plug. This is also, like, this feels like the first major step in the culmination of like all of the work that Anu has done yeah. of like out of pocket his own to get coverage to happen for the for legacy. Yeah, I think like, I think it from, bears it bears kind of uh introducing you to people who who don't know any better uh what what you've actually been doing for the last couple of years. Yeah, so I just like used to be like a legacy homie. I'd stream on Twitch and things like that. And then, like, after the pandemic, there was an event, uh, SCGCon Philly, I think it was. It was, like, the first event after, you know, um, like, you know, coming back from the pandemic kind of deal. And uh, I was like, you know what? It's really exciting that SCG is going to put some cameras over this event. It's going to be, like, the good old days. And then I got a notification that I was just like, oh, well, they're, they're, not, they're not doing anything. They're, they've moved away from it. So I was like, all right, well, this is not, you know, this is not going to happen. Um, I mean, like, you know how it is, right? Like, like back in the day, like it's like Sunday or something and you would uh, just turn on your, on. you know, computer. Yeah. yeah. And you just like watch like Reed Duke playing elves against like Joe Lissette on Miracles. And you're like, all right, yeah. that's my jam, right? And so it really got me thinking. It's just like, well, 
I really don't want us to lose that. Um, and so I said, all right, I'm just going to pack my bags. I have my phone. I have like a little tripod thing. Put a camera over some matches. Let's yeah. go. I, I, and um, yeah, what's up? I was just going to highlight that this, like all of the stuff that uh, you've done, that Anurag has done for coverage for Legacy stems way back even before he had like his video setup that has like progressively gotten better over time as well. There was the time back in G in like the old GP days where we were traveling to the big events, we would be at the top eight tables and we'd be on the side and Anu would be live tweeting what was going on in the top eight, just straight up doing yeah. written coverage off on his Twitter. So people could follow Dude, along with so stuff that much. wasn't there. I remember it. I was next to, I was next to you when you were doing that stuff. And I was like, Dude, what, what what is going on that you're like you're you're because you, you looked like frantically typing on your phone, and you're like and you were just like, dude, it's coverage, just what it is. <laughs> it's like yeah, I I remember that too because like I wanted to there, like there was GP Bologna where I did that. I think there was also Eternal Weekend a couple of years ago, like in 2019, where like I really wanted to be part of coverage. So I I straight up I just like walked to Nick Koss and I was like, hey, look, I'll do this for free. Uh, here's here's why you should hire me or not just like let me do this. And it was awesome. It was like maybe like one of the best experiences I've had. I think I had an interview even with um, David Lance, Static Grip, who uh, is a you know longtime legacy player. Um, but yeah, then fast forward to like now and effectively like I, I think I just got hooked. Uh, like it was a project that I was really invested in and uh, I just kept like growing and growing and growing. And now, you know, I'm, I'm traveling to, to Prague with like, 200 pounds of audio video equipment trying to like figure my way out here and it's it's transitioned from like like something you know small into something that i would love to do like full-time trying to figure that out like how to turn like thinking about thinking about it from like a business perspective almost which is yeah. kind of exciting yeah uh yeah i think it, you, you mean sorry. eventually they're gonna have to get you an assistant pretty soon you know like Dude, I, tell me about it. I, <laughs> 200 I, pounds of, it's, it's, of it's, equipment i mean i used to be a photo assistant i know that that ain't easy <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah i have a I, I tell everyone i have a system which is like using like a velcro strap to like tie two suitcases together so that i only have to pull it's it's rickety yeah, yeah. it's so it's it's something else um yeah i yeah. think uh, you know i mean it's a giant boon for the for the legacy community to have to have anyone doing this but like you're doing it and you're you're upgrading i mean you, at, at, at you know personal expense you know you're out there uh up, updating your system and making it better and you know like learning the craft and to me like we we need more of that in in legacy and it's amazing to ha have somebody that's that's up there just doing it just taking the initiative and doing it uh you know if you'll pardon my uh <laughs> pardon my... yeah i heard it i heard it i winced a little uh, yeah, bit yeah yeah, yeah. The, the hair on the back of my neck stood yeah, up. i didn't, I mean, I didn't for, mean for to reference. say taking the initiative i'm so sorry <laughs> don't, don't 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 you know who you're with right now look at the people on the sides of you <laughs> on, on the left and the right yeah so, uh, so for anybody who like wants to with EU, uh, EU EW coming up on in both for Europe and North America. Last year's North America uh, EW, the coverage from that event was Anurag stuff. Like that was that was his own thing. That's not like it was coordinated with Eternal Weekend. Like also like that was Anu doing it. He was on the side of the top eight the entire time doing that coverage. So like to see like the quality of of the coverage that's being put up, and it's only going to get better from here. So like. Anu, what is it that like you, what is the projection that you see from here now that you've actually, you're getting some support from the powers that be, as you said, w where is it going to go from here? And then like, what is it that you think are going to be the hurdles that maybe others could help you along the way with? And, and yeah. the third part of that, what's your ideal situation? Mm hmm Okay. Um, so I'll answer that question last because that, that, that one's kind of tricky, but I think from now, from this point on, what I'm really looking forward to, or, or what I'm really focusing on is revenue generation. So I'll say like like last year, 2022, was all about creating the concept and proving that there is an MVP, like a minimum viable product that exists for this, right? Is there a market? Do people want to watch? Like those kind of things, right? And obviously duh like I, I don't even know why i asked it but like you know for for all intents and purposes like you know if you if you're thinking about like what is the business plan for this because realistically speaking uh it costs a lot of money um i think one of the biggest stalwarts to to like um like the costs of coverage on online is like cedric phillips it'll always be like people don't really know what it's like to to have to like put together all this equipment, have to put together an ensemble, all the logistics that go behind it. And and when I went into it, I was like, damn, like there's there's a yeah. lot of stuff. 
Um, I'd like to say that I have a couple of workarounds. I got it to work. You know, people started getting interested in it. So I was like, okay, I'll keep, I'll keep growing and growing and growing. Now where I'm at from a technical perspective, I think I've sort of reached final form. Like I, I'm thinking, you know, I've got, you know, like hand cams for everybody. I've got really fancy overhead cams. I've got table mics that I recently added, you know, uh, even like a card reader, if somebody needs to see a new card or something like that. Uh, there's a lot of cool stuff out there. Uh, maybe, maybe I could like, you know, now start focusing on like the visual elements a little bit more on the screen, but that's all like, like coding related stuff that I'm particularly bad at. Uh, and I'm working with a couple people to, to put together some awesome stuff here for Eternal Weekend and even like you know Dream Hack in December, so that's something that uh um I I'm I'm very proud of and you know shout out shout out to Jordan who basically uh, if you don't know like have you have you heard of like the Swiss Triangle website like you no, know please, that website oh yeah I, it's something that I use like way way back like it's it's like Swiss Triangle BradleyJX.net or something like that and it turns out that that guy Jordan is just he's he makes everything happen in magic like you the the most uh, impactful unknown person in magic and uh, honestly at this point not even unknown because you know you talk to tos and you talk to people but you know, jordan's name will is a is a very very uh revered one anyways so um yeah i think i think that's like the next move is to like sort of make it like visually more appealing trying to figure out like what gets somebody into coverage from like a strategic perspective and gets them yeah. to stay right uh welcome to content I think creation a lot of my <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's yeah. basically what it is. It's like another chapter, right? Um, I think a lot of my work is reminiscent of like what SCG used to do, but I want to like dial it up to the next level. I mean, we have so much technology and we have just like the, I, mean, I don't know, I, I, like I want to make coverage yeah. more exciting, right? Because I think there, there, there are some fundamental things about Magic the Gathering specifically, like compared comparing it to other games like League of Legends or like Counter Strike or whatever it is. You know, you don't always have like flashy things on the screen. So, figuring out how to um, destroy like the the barrier of entry and then also keep it interesting, keep it fresh. Those are those are like you know very 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 difficult concepts um, to sort of find answers for and. Uh, that's like the theoretical aspect of it. I think there's also now like the business aspect of it, which is at this point, you know, I've done probably like 20 shows over two years, which if you think about it, it's like one yeah, once a, a month almost, maybe sometimes even more. Yeah, yeah. Um, that's a lot of flying. Um, so then, like I mentioned, it's about marketing too, which is like if this is going to be something that exists, you know, beyond just like the one year or the two years that I, you know, I, I'm doing this for fun, Money has to be coming in somehow, right? Like we have to, we're, we're we have to be adults, put our big big boy pants on, and just be like, how are we paying for this? The next flight, the next flight after that. How are we paying casters? How are we covering internet? How are we doing all these sort of things, right? And so that's sort of been the challenge of finding sponsors and things like that. Um, I think there's been, I think like this is something that you mentioned, Phil, which was like last year's Eternal Weekend, right? And I want to take a moment to just talk about this, which is um, that event was potentially the biggest disaster I ran into until the community came together and made it the most amazing event that I have ever streamed. And obviously it's going to be the, the eternal players legacy and, and, and vintage who are coming together to, to hang out. But um, I'll give you a little bit, there's a little bit of tea here, but basically um, I was trying to coordinate with car Titan last year to figure out, uh, you know, how to do coverage for their event and it was really tricky because they hadn't announced it, as we all know. Like they, you know, they it was a very close, like like close to the event sort of announcement. And I'm sure they had like their logistic concerns on their own end, whether it was working with wizards or planning or whatever it is. Like can't can't really you know fault them for that. They're put in a position. Um, but I didn't find out about uh, until 20 minutes after arriving on the venue that uh, there's this thing called union yeah. fees that you have to pay. Welcome, welcome uh, to the cons. To do, yeah, yeah. Yeah, exactly, right? Um, to stream in specifically Philadelphia, which is why this year, the fact that it is, it is in Pittsburgh is, like, so much better. Um, but straight up, like, two people from the union for that convention center walked up to me and they were like, hey, like, if you want to do this, it's going to cost you $5,000. And I was like, well, I, I just don't have that kind of money. And within two hours, I mean, Roland Chang was like, hey, put up a, you know, a GoFundMe, see what happens. Two hours, and it got funded. Amazing. And I was just like... Yeah, literally, like, I was, like, almost in tears because it was just, like, that That tells you, like, how important coverage yeah. is to the people, right? Um, 
that that like you know people want to see these games that are literally historical points in like you know the magic timeline that that need to be preserved right we can't just forget them there's an iconic picture of like you know uh raja who's holding the the card that he won for winning vintage champs um where and and it's just it's it's a it's a vibe it's just like him he's like i did it this is like one of my you know like lifetime goals you know playing magic and like you know props props like imagine if we just like you know never got to see those games uh pan out it'd be kind of disastrous so coming back to this year um the 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 plan is to like have money so that like i don't run into those kind of problems like or like if i do run into those kind of problems the show can still go on because at the end of the day that's what matters to me right that's what matters to you like you like you guys are content creators you understand it's like we want to produce something it has to happen you just have that drive in you to make it happen so i guess long, long story short um this year has been more about you know, finding sponsors who are interested in supporting and then also finding um, uh, like TOs to work with, marketing plans that are viable so that the next show can happen. So before we get into the ideal situation, uh, one of your sponsors and, and our sponsor is Moxfield. And I wanted to give a quick shout out to Moxfield. Eternal Dirtles is proud to be sponsored by Moxfield. Moxfield is the best Magic the Gathering deck building website on the internet. You can create share, and find decks from Commander to Legacy and even fan-supported formats like Pre-Modern and Old School. You can see all of our decks on our Moxfield. Follow the links below to stay tuned. So let's talk about your ideal situation. Yeah. So the ideal situation is, um, well, I'm not doing it on my own. Uh, I have maybe like one or two or maybe three other people who are helping out. Um, Why is this important? Uh... I kind of, I kind of like teeter on the verge of like burnout sometimes. Like, uh, you know, it's just like you, there's only so many flights where I can lug 200 pounds of luggage. At some point I feel like, you know, there's, there's, yeah. Right. It's, it's a decent workout. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but it's, it's like, there's a lot to do. And I think to get to the next level as well, uh, for example, like if I wanted to do player interviews, right. Uh, I can't handle like producing, directing and doing an interview at the same time. It's just, it's just what it is. Like I would literally need a clone of myself to do it so that, you know, we could actually have someone like ask questions, answer questions, record all that kind of stuff. Um, or, you know, somebody to develop stuff in the back end. Like I mentioned earlier, Jordan, he's been an absolute behemoth just helping there in that department. Um, that's, that's really what it is. Now the problem obviously with that is, is like, I am doing all this stuff like out of pocket, right? Like I, I'm just like hyper passionate about this. That's why I do it. I cannot in good faith, like ask that of anybody else because the, the regimen is like, it's quite insane. Honestly, like if you think about it, like I think like last year alone, I spent maybe like $50,000 and like, who, who, who's going to do that? Right. Like, like honestly, like, Shout, shout out to my wife for even being yeah. like okay with it kind of just acknowledging like you know like hey, hey all right this is your, your dream go for it um but you know finding the money to hire additional people who uh you know are committed to the bit to under to learn like you know maybe there's a weekend where i i don't need to go right um that i know there will be people on site who are you know very proficient in how to do it, who have the passion to not accept mistakes of any kind, um, who also have talked to, who have also like developed the same sort of relationships, basically like clones of me, people who are interested, right? That's what it is. I guess I, I guess what I, what I'm trying to say is you could cue the Avengers music. I'm trying to build a team, (laughs) right? Like that's, that's, that would be the ideal world. The problem is it's just like way too expensive yeah. to, to, to do that. Well, yeah. I think, uh, you know, it goes without saying you have my bow and, uh, and Phil's ax. If you ever need it. I <laughs> knew have you as with all of this talk of now that you're like actually getting some amount of support from Watsi, are you able to talk about like what that actually, what that support specifically is and then what support you would, you feel you need going further. That's beyond that. Now that there's look, if we're talking about like what you need financially in, in sort of the help, is that a space that you think Watsi will be able to help accommodate? Or do you think that it's going to be more community-based on your own, sort of figuring it out outside of Watsi, and then Watsi just like, you know, tips the hat and is like, yes, you have our blessing. Mm-hmm. 
Um, that's a really good question. I think the other thing that I have done that's part of like marketing overall is like networking, developing relationships. And I've, I've met a lot of fantastic people at wizards. Um, it's, it's a process, I think, because there's like so much stuff going on in the air and I can't really speak to too much of it, but it is definitely something that I want to have conversations with, uh, wizards about to figure out what we, what, how I can, so like, here's the other thing too, is like, I, 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 I've realized that the best kind of content, uh, and this is, I think, just high-level generic stuff anyways, right? Content must provide value. Now, generally, it's like entertainment value. Maybe in the scope of magic, there's some educational value. I think what I provide from a value perspective is like twofold. A, you know, I'm capturing, I have the equipment to capture something that nobody else can at the moment, right? Like coverage is like still coming back, I think, and... um it would like for first team like star city for example to to chime in and this is the second point i am way cheaper than other alternatives right because i'm a single person right i for me it's just a weekend everyone else has to hire a crew and then they have to like do this pay that like blah 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 all that sort of stuff right so i think for that reason um it's kind of persuasive it's conversations that still have to really like get flushed out yet um i and and I'm I'm hoping they go yeah. well. I'm hoping they go yeah, well. Phil yeah, Phil and I are in, in um, the middle of that too. With uh, we're looking at starting some events for through Wizards and stuff. So it's always like it's just you know you you know that they've got a lot going on on their end. So it's like you know you just slow going and try and keep a positive mentality about it, and hopefully you know everybody comes together. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, I mean, until then, it really is. Uh, there's a there's been a lot of help from the community, um, and I, and I, I, I feel I feel kind of torn about this because I don't think it's the community's responsibility to sort of yeah. you know provide for these sort of things. Um, similarly, it's like I I mean I don't know if it should necessarily all come down out of my pocket or whatever too, but that's why I think uh, like reaching out to third party sponsors and trying to figure out like who actually has the budget to. Um, you know, support this, who actually has the uh, bandwidth to, to make this happen. Like those are the people that I want to target. And I wouldn't even be surprised if, you know, some portion of those people are uh, not even within the magic universe, right? Like, like uh, just like non endemic populations that I have to go out and be like, Hey, like I have this product. Here are some numbers. Are you interested? You know, that kind of yeah. conversation. Well, so from there, you know, we've, we've, we've covered, coverage um but let's talk about uh the, your deck of choice right now uh let's switch over and talk talk a little strategy let's talk uh let's talk legacy um so you're on bean pile lately and uh and you know we have a deck tech coming up for that relatively soon but let's just go over some broad strokes about about bean pile yeah i mean this is imo like the fire successor to miracles and I know I a lot of the things I'm about to say, by the way, Phil, just like straight up, like tr trigger warning. All right. I'm just going to say, all right, get ready. Um, So like I, like I used to play hard control back in the day, counterbalance top, all the good stuff. Uh, The one card that has stuck with me through all of all of my legacy career is unironically terminus um you know through the good days and the bad days portent i'm looking at you oh wait phil still plays whoa, 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 whoa. it's getting personal yo I, i'll say no, nobody have i nobody in my life have i talked to more about whether or not we should we should be playing monastery mentor and if it should be in, in, in like two copies three copies or four copies than anu no granted like the last Dude. the last time we talked about it was like i don't know like 2018 or whatever but like you know th th that that conversation of like is days playable is monastery mentor playable and just the back and forth while people are just like you know dark ritualing us is <laughs> let me grab something i want to show this to you uh this is actually insane you're gonna love this phil one sec what could it be <laughs> if it's a severed head i'm going to be very upset when it comes to miracle mages, the, the the stuff that we're willing to to pull out and play in our seventy five or ninety five in some cases is a uh, oh here it is. You know what? This you is the note. This is this is the notebook. Um, I this is like notebook is like four or five years old, but I'm just gonna 
I'm glad that there's a video element. I'm going to like also sort of explain here, but you can sort of see here, this is how I used to build miracles. This word up here, brightling at the top, it's, I guess it's like backwards kind of deal, but like I would break down literally everything, like how I built my decks out, right? Just like three copies of Terminus, two copies of like Supreme Verdict. This is like, this is the lab, right? Like there's so many different, uh, like different things here. Uh, like I, I used to write down strategy, like concerns in game one, Jace versus Richard on port, things like that. You know what I'm saying? Like the, the answer this, is yeah, Sabo's web by guy to this day. <laughs> Dude, tell me about, I, I, I'm pretty sure it's written down somewhere here in this, in this Bible of mine. To this day, um, the answer to port. I, I used to have one of those when I, when I was, uh, big in the punk scene, I'd keep that in my little cargo pant pocket and take down people's instant messenger names. <laughs> you, you, wow you, okay dad you, you want to know <laughs> here, right. here's one aspect one aspect that i don't know if any other archetype like really delves into in the way that miracle mages have to delve into it is thinking about the what kind of what color mana we need on the turns we need it and then what turns are the actual turns where you want to be casting certain spells in order to optimize mana to get through development and i don't know if any other mages talk about it in a way that like miracle mages have to but like Back, back then, back in, in the era of that notebook that Anu just showed us, it was like, yes, you wanted specifically blue, white, blue, blue to get off the ground because you needed you knew that you were going to need to convert some white card to survive development. And then your end game was Jace and you needed to have, you wanted to get through that. So it was always blue, white, blue, blue, white was for the long time, that was your development out of, out of the early game. And then once we moved towards like the heavier double white stuff, as people were trying all this random stuff, that changed to be blue, white, white, blue. And and all this is to say, like, the, the depths that we have gone to try and solve this unsolvable puzzle. Everything that you said there, absolutely. Like, I, I, I understand it, like, tit for tat. Like, I, I'm literally looking at deck lists right now that are described as, like, this deck list is Miracles 19 plus 1. And that's, like, 19 lands in the main deck with the mountain in the sideboard, right? Like, code like that, right? Like, Thoughts versus Grixis Delver. Entreat seems good versus more mid-rangey versions. Mentor not necessarily better versus Pyromancer Heavy. I... This is sick. Anyways, so getting getting back to Beanpile, though. Um, So I would say that this is... Like, the decks that I play nowadays are basically the fire equivalents of, of old-school Miracles. Um, It's just uh, one of those things where, like, the power level of these decks is absurd. Um... At this point, where like you, you, you just, I, I personally feel like I can't ignore it. Um, I won't speak for Phil here, but there, there are two cards to me that have recently been printed that have basically brought control back. Um, and those cards are up the beanstalk and the one ring. I think if you like follow legacy, you'll know that for a while, iteration was legal, and that card was very good in this deck. Uh, there was also Minskin Boo. That card was also really good in this deck. And I think uh, with the banning of iteration, cool, okay. Uh, the one ring is just straight up stronger than Minskimbu, I think. Uh, it, it, on average, draws a lot more cards. It has fantastic synergies with the deck. The The protection layer that you get um, is, is is fantastic, right? Because you, you get to tap out for a turn and you, you know, can go shields down if you really need to. With cards like Terminus, you can recoup the tempo loss. With cards like Mystic Sanctuary, you can access any card in your graveyard uh, very, very easily. And then Beanstalk is like is like the modern day predict almost. I mean, it's certainly not as elegant. Nothing ever will be. But it is the kind of card you put to play on turn two and you just like sit and then you play a regular game of Magic and then eventually you're just like, wait, I, I can't hold all these cards in my hand. So I think... Um, that's the first thing is like pivoting to that. And then you have your usual culprits of like Uro, Swords, Force, like all the good control cards that have uh, we've seen over the past little bit here. Um, we should mention that this is a now, Urion deck, right? Yeah, that's a good point as well. Uh, and, and this is going to be a kind of a bad answer, but the reason I'm playing Urion is because I couldn't fit everything <laughs> in 60. And I'm just trying yep. to make it work. Uh, that's actually how it started. But then more and more and more I played, uh, the more I was like, okay, wait a minute. Yorion is actually pretty good, um, has fantastic synergy with up the Beanstalk. It's a five mana spell that you know draws a card when it's on the stack and then also draws a card in the end step when the Bean comes back. So that's already amazing. Uh, obviously, it pitches to force. I think there's another development from the Lord of the Rings set that makes Yorion a bit more viable and that is the printing of the cycling uh spells the uh like lorian uh, the lorian revealed one of the issues with yorian decks historically has been finding um 
a proper blue count because uh, you know you you delve into the cycle of like okay you've got spirit uh, what's what's the card staff of the storyteller mm-hmm. right that that makes spirits yeah uh, like fable minsk and boo all these like non blue threats that are very good value engines but then you suddenly run out of cards to pitch to force um, so now Lorien helps with with that but then also when you jump up from 60 to 80, you introduce a lot of volatility into the, like the, the, like the network of how your mana functions, right? Um, your brainstorms get a little bit worse. Your ponders aren't exactly, they don't have that same kick. And, uh, there's a concept in legacy that I, I, I really like, and I'm sure you two will instantly realize this, but it's the idea of like, like lowering your curve. I mean, Delver is the greatest example of this. And that's kind of what I want to do with this deck, right? Is to play a very low to the ground curve that has as few lands as possible, but can still operate because you never want to flood out when you're, when you're, you know, dancing at like, you know, casting your spells at zero, one or two mana. Um, and Lorian definitely does help there, right? Sometimes it comes in it's a land that comes into play tap, but that's fine because you can hold up your one mana instant speed interaction. Sometimes it's a five mana draw three, sometimes it's a five mana draw five. Like it's 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 uh it is a card that I think has literally changed all of magic, not just legacy, not just modern. We're even seeing it in vintage, and I, I think in to a degree is it's also seeing play in popper. It's a I I think I'm not it's 100% such an sure. understated um, design. Like we didn't see this. Th- this was yeah. not a card when we did our big like all the Lord of the Rings cards. Like none of those land cyclers we even mentioned. You know. Yeah, you and I, I think the the point that uh, looking back at when we did that set review, I think the thing that we missed was looking at like if we zoomed out from just that set that set review and we recognized that most of the power that has been presented in a lot of the recent sets that the control lists really want are non-blue. And we didn't think about what it would look like if once if a, a land slot could be blue. We just they, mm-hmm. like the blue count just was not something that like came to mind when looking at those cards in the spoiler. But like all of the good card draw, all of the good like a lot of the good threats have been non-blue, and that that we've wanted to like what the last good blue card that came out of a set was what Uro. Otherwise, it's been Beanstalk, One yeah. Ring, Minsk. There was Staff of the Storyteller for a short period of time. Like, they got rid of Expressive Iteration. So then, like, from there, it was just, like, all this density of non-blue beyond the Cantrip Suite and Force of Will. And so it's like, okay, our baseline is, like, 16 blue cards, maybe 19 blue cards. But it's like, you can't... I don't know about what, what, what your threshold for risk is, Anu. My, like, when I see lists... Like, right now, I'm operating on a list that's, like, been fluctuating between 20 and 22, and I feel naked. Like if I am mm-hmm. anything, if I'm anything below twenty three, I'm like, okay, I guess I'll, I guess I'm just jumping off a cliff and hoping I survive, you know? Yeah, yeah, I, I am in the same boat as you. I remember so many things actually, like even like like back in the day, like like that, even like when we're talking about like risk mitigation, like do you remember like Joe Lissette's Miracle Deck had like sixteen blue sources or something like that? Dude, like that's the kind of anxiety I'm getting when you're hearing you talk about this sort of thing. I, like I, I'll, I'll tell you a quick story about like Lissette Miracles from back back when it was the relevant way to beat like you know good miracles. So Legends Miracles, it was it was good <laughs> against exactly the mirror and nothing else, and that's because it had Cavern of Souls on Wizard, and there was no way for Miracles to really interact with that outside of back to basics. But it's like beyond that, you just fought over the back to basics. And then anyway, that Miracles deck list back in the day, it was twenty two. It was a twenty two land three counterbalance Legend Miracles deck that played Plains Plains Caracas Caracas Cavern of Souls Mountain in the main board. <laughs> Jeez. And yeah. I remember, yeah, I, yeah, I, yeah. I remember play, the thing is, is Joe was consistently putting up results because he was just beating up on all the other Miracles players because he was teched out pre-board for that matchup. And I remember, I, I don't remember the, the, who it was, but uh, another player, this was at SCGs, a player came up to somebody at one of the tables that I was sitting at, and I just overheard the conversation where he came up and he was like, okay, I'm playing like the four predict top Miracles, but Joe keeps top eighting these events on these Legend Miracles. And then he like runs through the mana base. He's like, but it's got two planes, two Caracas, a cavern of souls and a mountain in the main board. He's playing three counterbalance. Like this is shit, right? Like I'm not crazy, right? Like this is bad, right? And everybody was like, yeah, this is bad. This is bad. It's all bad. Everything is bad. But like he was, he was making it work because he like just identified there was, I remember there was uh, also like some lists where he was playing uh, only like he, there was a point where we all started cutting swords to plowshares just because miracles was the best thing to be doing. All that is to say, coming back to the to, to present time back then, it took a long time for us miracle mages to recognize that four predict was just the best thing to be doing. Like we didn't get to four predict for a, lo- a while, but like th- that kind of threat alongside Jace the mind sculptor and stuff meant that our blue count was relatively good. 
But then since mm-hmm. then, since then, Jace has fallen off. Uh, you know, Predict has fallen off because Beanstalk is better. Ring is better. So it's like the 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 shift away from blue cards towards these power creep non blue cards that controlless actively want makes it way more, like it devalues the power of your forces. But the power creep has been such that you need your forces more. Yeah, and you're yeah. playing more forces because so- they printed force negation. So it gets it gets it gets really really tricky. The pal, it's 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 been a puzzle in and of itself, and I think that's where Lorian revealed comes in. It's just like, hey, not only do I help you with mana issues, I also pitch the force of will, and if we get to it, I also just pull you massively ahead in top deck wars. So like, I mean, imagine that card in like card is- 2014. You know, yeah, yeah, the card is just really 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 good, and and I think I think like. It, it, the metric that I would use to like evaluate this card again, if I had the Microsoft one more time, Magicka is always boiled down to one thing, and that is mana and how to optimize your spells with regard to mana and balancing power level based on how much mana you're spending and everything. Mana this, mana that, mana that. Right. So when you have a card like this that like says like because before then we had never seen one mana for island cycling, no. And so this is like maybe the most disgusting version of power creep um because it affects something so like sacred almost like you know just so, mana, so, right I, I knew off of that idea this you you and i have been thinking on the same wavelength for a while now than it seems one of the things where i know that like it didn't correlate at first but one way and tell me if if this jumps out to you as well back when we had top one of the most powerful things that top allowed for that was not on the surface at all. Uh, the stuff on the surface was counterbalance lock, uh, flipping instance be terminuses. Like that was the stuff people saw. But one of the really, really potent power level parts of Sensei's Divining Top was that your white mana, your planes, was gave you card selection. You could cantrip off yeah. your planes. Yeah. And that mattered. Yeah. That was huge because you could, you could develop early, go island planes, and you wouldn't have just naked mana sitting on the table not doing anything. But then when top went, and then we started trying out like portent and preordain and stuff like that, getting up planes was a liability because it was dead mana during development if you weren't converting a white card. But Lorian Revealed lets you use your planes or your your non-blue mana to cycle to continue your development. And that's so potent. That's so potent. I, I, I think so too. Also, the you're right. Absolutely right. That like you could use a card like Wasteland to find up an island right. or something like that. Like we see out of all these like Delver decks and whatever. Like it is, it is remarkably powerful and and very very well disguised um to the point and i, I don't know if people are going to disagree with me here but like i think it is even more impactful than a card like the one ring or orgish bowmasters because like let's be real here those two cards you could probably power yeah. creep them out but i like i don't know how you power zero. creep out a <laughs> card like lorian outside <laughs> Like like yeah. what zero mana island cycling the, like no the, 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 that's never gonna happen. The way they do it is exactly what it is now, but it's an instant instead of a sorcery. <laughs> like at some point they could do that. Oh but, sure. But like a, a quick example of like to imagine like how how important the island cycling part for just colorless is. I want people to just like imagine who have played with it or played against it. Imagine if it was island cycling for blue. It's a wholly different and way less powerful card. Yeah. It may still be good enough, but it is so different from what you from what we experience now. Well, I think the thing that kind of threw me into the zone of like, oh, this card's good, and I'm gonna I'm gonna say something controversial here, so get ready. This card is the the best interaction in Legacy since Brainstorm Fetchlands. Um, very controversial thing to say, but so here's why I'm saying that because I've been looking at Death Shadow builds, one of the decks I can build, and uh, I had an interview with uh, Tron is Bad a couple weeks ago, and we were talking about. Uh, how you can just keep uh, you can keep a wasteland hand if you have Lorian revealed. You're gonna be like, okay, cool. I'll just keep wasteland. And the deck is playing two less lands now. It's playing 16 lands in a Delver deck, basically. You know, we're cutting two lands so that we can play more cards. Uh, and the cards we're adding are the cards that go. Oh, I guess I I guess I get to play. Uh, in this case, it's it's Trollicaz at Doom, but like you get to play Reanimator as a strategy, and it just works. It's like these all these cards are allowing you to do what fetch lands and brainstorm did, which was lower the amount of lands. We used to play like close to 30 lands, you know, like you play like 26 lands in, in your control deck, 25 in a mid-range deck, until fetch lands and brainstorm became like a thing people knew how to do. And they were like, oh, I can lower down to to 20, you know, somewhere between 22 and 18 lands for, for a legacy deck. Now it's like I can play 16 in the Delver deck. That's wild. 
Yeah, I I think that's 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 a a, a fantastic realization is that like it it allows you to sort of just make your deck even leaner it 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 keeps your floor consistent while increasing your ceiling and and that is very very rare to find in a card uh because there are a lot of cards that just have like risks and the risks on this these this cycle of cards is like gonna stifle you it's really (laughs) yeah i mean like yeah right like that's what it takes that's what it takes um but yeah, so Lorian Revealed is one of those cards that I think is has also just made Yorion specifically a bit more playable. Um, the other thing that I noticed, uh, so this is kind of twofold, but the metagame really revolves around one card right now, uh, and that card is Orcish Bowmasters IMO. You must have an answer to Orcish Bowmasters. You must make every Brainstorm and Ponder with Bowmasters in mind, um, because if, if Bowmasters enters play and then does not leave play, as a control mage, you're kind of just you're stuck, right? Um, and so that made uh, me realize another thing, which is that the effectiveness of a card like Pyroblast, which you know I have literally played five copies of Pyroblast in my sideboard at one point. Uh, you know when blue decks were just like like that, like when iteration was that bad, when there was a, a viable blue threat that you needed to answer. Exactly right, and now that's a great way of putting it, Phil. There, there just isn't, and I think it's it's migrated to being this one in the black Orcish Bowmasters card. Why do I want Pyroblast? It doesn't do anything against grief. Merktide is cool to kill, but like like we still we have Leyline Binding now, which is another addition to these these decks. Um, thanks to up the Beanstalk and just like unholy mana. Um, but I don't know. Pyroblast is like not that great. I would and, not and Orcish. Uh, and sorry, and uh, Beanstalk is it? Is it? Is it Spellsnare's time? I, I, as, all right, I, it, we're cooking. As we get cooking, I, I, I like I, we we all want it. We all want Spellsnare to be good, right? We're all like, mm, mm, give me that sweet trade up on mana, mm, delicious. And I just like, I am, I am just not a believer in those conditional counter spells because it, if if your opponent is aware of it and just chooses to figure out like ways to maneuver it, it's just it. It's one of those things. I, I I feel like the the format is so powerful now that the opportunity cost is those cards. Yeah. You like mm-hmm. because you you can't really afford to port yourself because the game can be lost in development. You know, and so yeah. it's like yeah. if if you're like, all right, I'm on the draw and I open ponder one land spell snare, and you're like, am I supposed to hold this thing open? But then they play at instant speed. And then I'm like, okay, well, I can ponder to try and find my second land. But if they just throw in the bow, like if they're aware of the spell snare, they just play the bowmaster before after I've pondered, and then that spell snare's dead. Or if I hold it up and I know that they're playing an instant speed, then I feel like I have to hold up the spell snare. And if I whiff on the, the second land on my draw, now I could be naked. I might just be, I might find myself in the bad position of having to play this ponder into the bowmaster that the spell snare was supposed to catch, and the snare is still just sitting in my hand dead. It's like it, it, it doesn't. You can't convert it as cleanly in ways that like mm-hmm. later on you could sort of like cycle a veil of summer. And, and, and it, the, the, so like, it's like, like, I think Anu, you put it like really, really well, where you're like the floor is high and the ceiling, the, the, the ceiling is elevated. And I feel like the, the way that the threats now, particularly because they're at instant speed, it just plays around that one man interaction so much smoother than before, where it's like, if they play a f- expressive iteration, it's sorcery speed, you know, they have to cast it. If they don't, then they are sitting on it in the same way that you are. And it's like, okay, if we're in a holding pattern, that's great for control. But the fact that they can maneuver, it just, at least in my my testing of trying to make that stuff work, it, I have not found the way. Yeah, yeah. There, there are a couple of punishes. Um, I, I also think it's just like, and I hate to say this, but it's just like other cards are so powerful that I'd rather play those. Now, I will say one thing, which is um, in an effort to sort of make a concession to cards like bowmasters and 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 address like the kind of well basically that right a card that has really like overperformed for me personally is um it's a two mana spell it kills creatures and it also counters spells it's drown in the lock uh and and this is like the power level on this card is not quite there 
but it does a lot of things for Yorion specifically. So this is the, the 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 setup here basically is me sort of explaining how I've sort of transitioned away from playing, you know, this four color no black deck into a four color no red deck, which is really interesting because Pyroblast is a card I played for so long. But with the discovery of a card like Draw into the Lock, it allows me to sort of play that Drago game a little bit more effectively. If you look at other lists in the metagame right now, you'll notice, like, for example, um, Zio Franconi, who won the showcase recently, was playing Four Color No Black and had the Pyroblast in the sideboard, but was playing cards like Force of Negation in the main deck. And I'm not a big fan of that kind of card. Similarly with, like, Dressdown, not a really big fan of that card. Um, this goes back to the conversation of, like, if an opponent's threat sticks and stays in play, we're kind of dead. Force Negation doesn't do anything against Bowmasters, and Dressdown gives you a one-turn window to uh, answer Bowmasters, and if you don't have the answer there, you're, you're in big trouble, right? So going back to Dress... Uh, sorry, Drown of the Lock, this is the kind of card that, like, I think it's good against a variety of decks in the format, um, and I think it's also a very good card to top deck in certain dire situations where you can just go, like, all right, pop your Bowmasters, now tap my ring to draw some cards and get back in the game kind of deal. Um, also... What I've kind of realized is like the power creep of magic in general has made not just specific decks viable, but many, many, many decks viable, right? Like imagine like the Dark Ritual Shieldred, like Leyline Helm sort of decks that exist. You know, you've got the initiative decks that uh, admittedly like you're not very good against, but now with the resurgence of a deck like PO, for example, like you need some sort of catch-alls for this. And I I, I think Drown of the Lock sort of, it's it's not perfect. It's definitely like, you know, a card that has weaknesses, but it does um, cover some holes in the hold, in, in in the deck. And so for that reason, I, I, I'm kind of a fan. The big ticket item, though, is that it, it kills Bowmasters, which, like, at this point, I found that I need, like, 13, 14, maybe 15 answers in my Yorion deck just for that one card um, because I can't beat it if it's in play. I think for... To, to jump up, to piggyback on that, I think one... A couple ways in particular that aren't uh, clear at first glance with how the meta has sort of broken out with Bowmasters in it is a lot of the things that are good, that, that play seem to play well now, are indicative because of things that Bowmaster has done that we aren't necessarily seeing. So, for example, Narset and Teferi, I feel like, are at all-time lows compared to what they were before Bowmaster existed because Bowmaster is very good at checking those kinds of walkers. And because of that... There are some spells that otherwise would would not be uh, viable that become way more viable because the, the presence of those planeswalkers aren't there. But also the, the presence of those walkers not being as potent, like you'll still see them. They're still good cards, but you won't see them in the same numbers that you will before. And that also implies that Pyroblast's power level has gone down. Because for us control mages, having Pyroblast on the board to deal with a Narset, which you know had a similar effect to Bowmaster, but way more punishing, and Teferi, which cut off a lot of the ways that we interact, Having Pyroblast was the most efficient way, really the only viable way to deal with those cards outside of presenting just more attackers, which is tough because if you were going outside of something like, you know, the Uro the coming back, which is too clunky and slow to really deal with it if they've resolved it, or like something like Endurance, which is like a very easy way for those types of decks to deal with anyway, then there wasn't really a viable way to clear it from the board unless, you know, you had your like fourth or something, right? And what, things that Teferi did was it was really hard to play anything with Flash because Teferi could just put it right back. So the, the value of haste went up. And so that's where Fourth was really good at, like checking opposing planeswalkers. That's why Minsk was really good at opposing that at checking opposing planeswalkers. But Bowmaster has changed the paradigm on the value of those planeswalkers. Because if you play a Minsk and they just go Bowmaster, hit your boo, attack your thing, and then it's like, okay, make another uh a token or whatever, but then okay, sit back with your token. Don't do anything. And then if you try and draw cards, you're just going to get domed and make a giant guy because, you know, because when it all resolves, like you still take the damage off the Bowmaster. So it's like all of these things subtly make it so that Planeswalkers have been worse because there's 50% Bowmaster in the metagame. And so that makes the shift from red become way easier into other cards like black, where then we discover things like uh, Drown in the Lock being really solid. I was looking at... Uh, recently I've been trying to figure out how to uh, leverage Terra Sunder as a card in the, in the board because it's a really good way at dealing with sagas. You you want more ways to deal with Urza Saga. It's cheap and can interact in those matchups. It's on their way to Chalice and stuff. But then it can also check opposing uh, rings before they can get a counter on it because it's an instant speed. But then the fail safe is that you can still hit anything because you, it has the black splash on the kicker. So there's like... That card, I don't think is really a way that, like, I wouldn't have looked at that card before when I was like, I need Pyroblast. 
But now that we don't, those kinds of cards become way more appealing, particularly because we need to slant harder into green for Beanstalk. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and speaking of like green as well, another card that I, I think is low key an all star for these control decks in particular too, uh, is, is force of vigor. I've sort of realized like this card, um, does, does a lot. Firstly, it's, it's fantastic in the mirror, you know, against all these enemy up the beanstalks against leyline binding in particular. That is a very, very, very powerful, um, sort of interaction that I've learned from playing a little bit of modern is that you can really, really like make Leyline Binding look embarrassing. Mm -hmm. um, but then also when you look at the metagame, you're mentioning some critical cards here, right? Like Urza Saga is one of them. I think uh, uh, initiative decks, I'm not so sure how good force is because they have, they have chalice, but is there anything really else there? Um, but the fact that it's, you know, it's, it's good against, um, it's good against these like, you know, blue or, uh, Saga decks, it's good against control, potentially playable against initiative. Like that, that is a wide spread of cards that you are able to handle uh using a free yeah. spell. Um, and you can Mystic Sanctuary back to like the synergies are just like off the chart kind of deal. Uh I, I I'm pretty stoked about that card as well. That's another card that I think is underrated that has has made a, a really nice addition. But yeah, I I think in terms of like bean pile as a whole, like like it's 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 stable, it's 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 in a good spot and it's been doing really, really well. Like whether you're playing black or whether you're playing red, um, the results are being posted everywhere. Uh, there's just like a certain like couple things that you need to check here and there. Like Bow Masters is one of them. Make sure you have answers to like you know uh, the various cards in the format that you know maybe maybe you rely on forces. Maybe you rely on Dressdown. I think Dressdown is maybe better than I'm giving it credit for. But you know, like I mentioned for the reasons earlier, like it's, I prefer more permanent answers to cards. Um, I think Bean Pile is in a pretty. One good of the spot. things I wanted to bring up and get, getting in before Phil Phil does on this about uh, Force of Vigor is it allows your mana base to be all non basic lands, you know, uh, because you can still cast this against a Blood Moon. Yes, yeah, yeah. That's a that's another big thing too that I I completely did not talk about is that Blood Moon has been. <laughs> the bane of my existence for I don't even know how long. Dude, how, and, how far uh, have we come? How far have we come? Twenty nine years. Right. Twenty nine years. I think from, is the answer. From, <laughs> from, from our seven basics, never giving a shit about those types of cards to like now we're just like please don't magus me, please don't magus me. I know. Yeah, I've got three copies of Hydro Blast in my sideboard, Phil. I've three whole copies of Hydro Blast. Like it's 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 tough. It's tough, dude. So the I, I've been trying out a bunch of different uh, options, and, and tell me like if you've navigated these areas well recently i was trying out um so I, i've been playing force of figure for a while i recognize that like the the kind of 60 card miracles that i still like to play i'm still a terminus and treat gamer what it do but i found that when i tried playing the leyline bindings i didn't like how susceptible i was to it getting blown up and i didn't like that once we had moved into beanstalk they had already wanted to bring in their stuff to deal with the beanstalk anyway and then leyline binding would get all of the flack from that and i found that like mm -hmm. There would be positions in like mirror matches where if my opponent ley lines and they go after my beanstalk with it, I'm like, I'm happy to let this resolve. The game's going to get to a place where we're going to try and blow this stuff up on each other. And you're giving me an additional card draw on top of like the, the you know, like that's not what the, the matchup becomes about. The matchup becomes about the beanstalks, but it's like if you're not dealing with them permanently with like a PE or uh, like a, a Terra Sunder or whatever else the options are that like having something stick on the board it's too i find it to be a liability so i haven't i've moved away from it um but one of the other things that i was trying for specifically force of vigor obviously blood moon but when they would play magus i'd be like i feel dumb i have this force of vigor and they played a magus the moon like i should have solved this problem way back so i was like okay well if the similar space if i don't want to have to lean into making my mana worse solitude becomes a really appealing answer to deal with magus and then i was like okay if i'm playing force of vigor and i'm playing solitude then i'm really interested in trying out kira uh, and this is in a 60 and, you know, I'm trying to think if there's like other spaces for, uh, for that in, in Yorion. Um, but then uh, the more and more I, I, I got into it, the more I was like, I feel like the, the process for us as the control mages is trying to si solve all of these problems all at once. And then we end up finding like clever ways to get around it. And it usually just comes back around to finding the simplest, the, like the simplest form. And so I've moved, I'm, I'm, my next thing is, I, I was iffy on the solitude thing, 
uh, I moved back to just being like, all right, I'm just going to play a basic planes in the board, similar to how I played, we played basic mountain in the board all those years. And maybe that's just the answer. And then when you're playing against the Magus stuff, you just, yeah, I'm going to aggressively fetch for the planes, not have to worry about this thing. And then if I need to get my colors back, I can turn off the Magus later. But when, when you're solving all these problems that, you know, the format as it shifts progressively, do you find that the, do you notice that there are certain cards that you keep coming back to or certain plans that you keep coming back to that just fit your play style for Yorion 80 that has, has like, if you just found those like things that are more potent for you, even when you try a bunch of other things, cause like testing and we could test ad nauseum, all these cards that are good in certain situations. But then if it just comes down to, do you find that you navigate your games to a certain way? And then that makes you steer towards cards that some people may otherwise not agree with you on. So a good example for you and I, I think you and I are the only people that are diehards for Cosmic Rebirth at the moment. <laughs> Love that card, yeah. Um, so I, th I think the real answer to this question is less so about like any specific card choices, but more like how I like design right yeah. and the answer to that question for me is redundancy is i want to basically do the same thing over and over and over and over again and the reason i can justify doing that thing over again is because it's a very damn good thing that i'm doing right so in in this instance i suppose uh let's see how do i justify redundancy here right so i i was playing um uh like more disenchants in my sideboard at one point but then i kind of realized like okay like in an 80-card deck, what is more likely? Drawing my two-of sideboard card or fetching for a basic planes, right? And when you say it like that, you're just like, wait, like fetching for a basic planes, that's like so easy, right? Everybody can fetch for a land. Um, and so those are the kind of solutions that I generally like to 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 draw to like if i i like drown in the lock admittedly is a kind of card that like fills up slots in the deck it's not the card that i'm like the most proud of but it it does a lot right so i can look at that card and be like okay well there's a creature in play what do i want to do well kill it obviously okay so that i'm putting a spell in here that is you know multi it's like it's like multimodal right like it can kill the card in play or it can counter the card on the, uh, and, and another card on the stack right um basically sort of just having that 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 a flexibility and then the, like be the redundancy uh, of of that right. Um, I I kind of realized a while ago, and this is also this is kind of interesting too because um, with when expressive iteration was in play or when it was a card that you're allowed to play, right? I think basic planes was just really bad, but now that that card has been banned and like the 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 turn patterns of like how you want your mana to appear in play is is like you know tundra and then maybe like for me specifically it's like bayou or something like that like. Planes is not the worst because it doesn't stop me from casting uh, a, a number of spells uh, that I need to cast. Um, but, but big picture, I, I don't know if I'm really saying this really well, but it's just like the idea of redundancy is much easier to digest than having like silver bullets. Um, so I look for cards that are generically applicable. Um, a great example is an article that Jerry Thompson wrote a long time ago where he was like, all right, well, you have two cards, right? You've got like Supreme Verdict and you've got Disenchant, right? What do you do? You have one extra slot. Do you put one, another Supreme Verdict in or you put another Disenchant in? And he was like, actually, let's turn to a card like Council of Judgment, which can like flexibly handle a lot of things. It can, it can remove a creature or it can remove an artifact enchantment. This is a very valuable card because it, you know, it just it gives your deck a bit of more. It doesn't necessarily do the same effect as the other ones as well as they do it, but it's it's like that sweet like Goldilocks spot in the middle that you know gets the job done and is a card that you are never like really upset to draw because it it always reads I I do something right. That's the thing about control is your cards need to be flexible enough where you don't get dead draws, which is again like going back to why Bowmasters is so cool is because it. It, it punishes you for trying to play that sort of flex game plan, right? I mean, if we're looking for more consistent draws, Anu, can I interest you in my good friend, uh -oh. my good friend Portent, my guy? <laughs> ah, you just going to say it. I knew it. My I knew good it. good friend uh, Portent there. Uh, so, I mean, one, one thing I also I want to mention uh, or I, I want to ask you about now that you've like sh shifted a little bit more into black and you're moving away from red, are you still playing fourth Aerolingus? And two, uh, on fourth, have you found that fourth is a consistently good card uh and i asked that from the from the lens of when i tried fourth what i found is that there were it, it was always a 10-2 card 
it never it never felt like it was like the like you were talking about like the consistency that you need the redundancy that you need it always felt like it was the card that was lights out or it was the card where i was like oh man if i introduce the monarch like it is going to be the thing that kills me like i will be my own demise mm -hmm. yeah um so i'll tell you a story my opponent went turn one island preordain uh after i played my land for the turn turn two i go land go uh they go fetch land pass uh i think they, they maybe like uh uh, I forget what it was. Um, yeah, no, no, the thoughts used me there, and I was like, oh, "Okay, I play against Doomsday. Cool, this is gonna be easy." Um, draw, draw for turn. I'm like, "Oh, fourth Aerolingas, let's go!" Third land, slam the fourth, attack with my token, get the monarch, ETV, or sorry, end of turn. They go Orcish Bowmasters, and I'm just like, "Well, <laughs> I lose this game." Um, <clears throat> yeah, it is. It is certainly kind of swingy, but here's what I will say about this card: is that from my perspective, I, I I kind of look at it as entreat the angels with upside, um, only because I don't really ever want to cast it on turn three. Um, but it also it gives you like that fireball win condition that I think this specific build of Yorion kind of wants. Um, because we're really good at controlling the board. We're really good at uh, drawing cards, but closing the game sometimes is really tricky. And then it just turns out like the utility of haste is something that I want in my back pocket at all times. So, you know, I did say I was playing four color, no red. I lied. There are two copies of fourth Aerolingas in my deck just because the card is that good. And to clarify, like, to, to make it all work, you know, like technically it's like five color soup. There are like two red sources. One's a triome. So it's, it's certainly contentious, but I think it, the first copy at least adds so much to your deck. For example, like, like, it, like the, the returns are just like unignorable. You know what I mean? Like you play one copy and suddenly you, you get live draws uh, at stages of the game that you never had otherwise. It's like it's like the first copy of Terminus, for example, right? Like when when in the back of your mind you're looking at a board full of creatures and you're like, geez, I wish I had, you know, there are a lot of scenarios where it's like, well, they just played a Teferi, they and we both burned our forces, and now, well, geez, I wish I had a way to get rid of this Teferi. Uh, you know, Fourth Aerolingus is like one of those cards that could kill your opponent, but it could also kill a Teferi, right? Haste is ridiculous. Haste is absolutely ridiculous. Um Things like that. I think I think there's utility. There is a very clear downside to the card, and you kind of just have to either A, accept it, or B, just don't play it on turn three. You know what I mean? Like sometimes you have to you have to have that like patience to not play it until a better spot. Um and that that's tricky. That's very, very tricky. Coming up uh coming up on the end, I just wanted to uh state one thing that I think is really cool about uh about drowning the lock. I want to go back to that real fast. This, especially when you're taking out red, this fills the space that Lightning Bolt like kind of has for Delver, where you're like, I mean, maybe I need to go to the face to end the game. Maybe you know that modal ability is is like something I think that the contr the control decks were missing anyhow is d just to have that sort of versatility. Yeah, I I uh, that's part of the reason why I have it in the deck. I mean, like you can look at cards like. You know, Force of Will and Swords to Plowshares, like they're super flexible. Um, Drown the Lock isn't quite there in the with the same power level since it costs two mana. But the the, the here's here's what I also noticed, and I, maybe this is my closing thought on a card like um, Drown in the Lock, uh, is that it's a problem solver uh, and a great example to sort of explain. Uh, what a problem-solving card is, is like Cosmic Rebirth, right? So in Modern, for example, what I've noticed is like, there are a lot of game states where I'll play a Planeswalker and it dies. And then I need to like, you know, find a way to resolve my spell. And I also notice my life total is going low because I've been, you know, chucking the ring a lot, you know. And that's where a card like Cosmic Rebirth comes in because it's like, well, it can bring your Planeswalker back, unlocking a threat that you can play at instant speed on your opponent's end step. It can also literally just ramp you, which is very, very powerful in control. It gains you life at instant speed. Like if you're, if you're at two and you know, your ring's about to kill you and your opponent's like, okay, what are you going to do about it? You're like, all right, well, I'll just gain three life. And then usually that's a game-winning play, by the way. Um it, it it breaks a lot of paradigms and it solves a lot of problems. And then you just bank on the rest of the deck to cover like the other 99% of scenarios, right? So in the case of Legacy, it's like, all right, cool. Like, like 
I have Force of Will, I have Swords to Plodgers, and I have Terminus, and that's going to cover most of my scenarios, but sometimes Orcish Bowmaster is going to like slip through the stream and then land and play, and at that point, I'm just like, no, two mana, destroy you. Nice try, right? Like, it is, it is like that kind of card, and plus it's also like, it's another card that kind of like is very good to like seal the door shut with, yeah. if that makes sense. Like Mystic Sanctuary target my Drown in the Lock. I have a counterspell now. You know I have a counterspell. You have to draw two threats now, not just one, that kind of thing, right? So it, it's a problem solver in my eyes um, because Yorion... Okay, well, okay, I'll, I'll say a little bit. Yorion is... An, it's like you when you factor in 80 cards, you need... You can't afford to polarize your deck too much. You can't have all swords and all forces because then you'll draw the wrong card at the wrong time. That's the kiss of death in a deck like Control. Um, that's another kind of problem that Drown the Locks uh, solves, right? Like it just, it multimodal, does lots of things. And uh, yeah, just, it's like um, like feeling that you put in like holes in the wall when you, you know, you're pulling a nail out kind of deal. I don't know. That's a really, really bad <laughs> analogy. I'm sorry. No, I, but I, it, 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 tr it translates. I mean, there, there's how often have we been like, yep. We played against combo in game one and we drew the white half of our deck instead of the blue half. And so we just died, you know, like that, that happens. And like to this day, you know, we still as, as control majors have the luxury of like, all right, like we've been playing draw go with our opponent. And it's probably because they are sitting on a bunch of white cards that have no text and mm -hmm. we get to leverage mm -hmm. that. And it's like, instead of like, they drew a white card, we drew a counter spell instead that in another matchup is like, we drew a removal spell instead. So it's like, uh, leveling that that yeah you, i mean you said it you actually did say it well leveling the the limiting the amount of times that we have those draws where cards have don't have text is valuable like cards that just always have text is way more valuable than cards that don't right i mean it sounds it sounds too simple to to be that simple but it is you heard it here first folks modal oh, spells are things. good and honorog uh enlightened us to that <laughs> wow wow the first first Moto moto spells good. Wow. <laughs> but yeah, I mean that we're coming up on the end here. Uh Anu, I, I want to thank you for one, for yeah. everything you've done for Legacy, man. Like, you know, uh the coverage stuff is just is beyond. Like, you know, that's that's uh, we would give you an award, but we don't have one, you know? <laughs> they haven't made one yet, you know? Like th th there should be an award for people. Uh, that are that are uh, you know creating helping create the community and and bring it together and inform them you know uh, and beyond that you know uh, four color the four color control deck is just it, it is just wild it's it's a uh, it's a study in it's a study in deck design absolutely yeah I I really appreciate that and uh, means a lot yeah I I love magic we all love magic so we do what we can. And I appreciate you for having me oh, yeah. Uh, today. Um, yeah. So, uh, everybody, uh, thanks for watching. Like, subscribe. I'll do all that stuff. And uh, we will catch you next time. Thanks for watching. Hey, everybody. Why don't you check out some of our other interviews? And if you got a chance, check us out on Patreon. If you can support us, that would rule. Thanks.